The MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today and bet $100 to get a $100 free bet at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. Howdy ho, Generinos, and welcome to the MMA Gambling Podcast, the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, episode 255. Send it out to Dredney. Dredney? I call him Dredney. I think that's what his, his uh, I think that's how it's spelled as well on our uh, Discord, because um, he's a good guy and he supports my other site uh, that I write for as well. So this goes out to him. Thank you, everyone, for coming to the show. This is, this is a fantastic starting already. This is going to be a great episode. I'm on your host, Jeff Chalks Fox. This is a big UFC pay-per-view episode, even though this, I don't know, this pay-per-view does not seem, feel big to me, but my co-host, Mr. Positivity, uh, thinks it's it's a amazing pay-per-view so uh, he's always a shell for the ufc so <laughs> maybe we should bring him him in and he can tell you why actually we're doing the prelims on this portion of the podcast so the prelims actually are pretty solid so i don't think i'm going to argue about that aspect main card which we'll do tomorrow uh, i think you could you can uh, pick some holes in but anyhow let's bring in the man of the hour mr gumby god daniel reeland hello so I, if if we are a podcast, and, and I think you could probably say a lot of things that we are a podcast for, but if we are a podcast yes. that truly believes that the Contender Series is one yep. of the great gifts of, of the MMA gods, you have to love these prelims, because these oh, yeah. prelims are filled with Contender Series dudes. We got one, two, well, we start off with three straight right out of the out of the gate. Well, and, and then, actually uh, in the first three fights, there are yeah. four of them. Oh, really? That's right. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. And then we got uh, another highly touted one on the uh, further up on the prelim. So yeah, it is a it is the uh, breeding ground for basically the best prospects pretty much come through there now. I I think you're underestimating how many there are from previous seasons too because yeah uh, yeah, yeah I, I think you're missing a couple in there. Oh I won't when I when I when I actually break down the fights. <laughs> There's lots and lots. I've I've got uh, all these stats for for the event. So doing the prelims. And they are starting at Sydney pay-per-view, if you want to call this a pay-per-view, is uh, 10 p.m. Um, and we'll do that portion of the card tomorrow. Um, so the prelims were down to, what, eight fights? Because this, I don't want to say snake bit, but this this uh, fight card has had a lot of moving parts, shall we say. Uh, we lost our original main event when Yuri Prohashka got the worst shoulder injury in the history of shoulder injuries, according to Dana White, right? It was the worst ever. You got to, yeah, you got to give it superlative. Yep. Uh, so, and he, he made it sound like he voluntarily gave up his belt, but uh, he also said after consulting with UFC uh, management, which is never someone you want to consult with. So I'm sure he was told that he's given up his belt. Um, so we have a vacant belt in the main event now. Uh, Jan Blakovich, Magomed, and Kalev was the originally the co-main event. They've been bumped up to the main event. So we lost uh, that main uh, main event fight. Uh, Ovin St. Preux lost about 58 different opponents, and now he is off the card. It was supposed to be Alexander Gustafsson originally, and then it was supposed to be Philippe Linz, and then it was supposed to be Antoni Tracoli, and then Tracoli uh, had visa issues, so he got himself cut before he even fought in the UFC, and now St. Preux is fighting no one. So we lost that fight. Um, 
we got a uh, we'll talk about in a moment but we have some replacement fighters jumping in uh to fill in for people as well so not as strong as it originally was uh, was scheduled to be but nonetheless it doesn't really make a difference to us because we will watch it we watch everything we probably will enjoy it and we probably will make some money off it and we're going to start with the prelims like i said 6 p.m eastern we kick things off are you ready gumby i'm ready any thoughts on the card before we jump in or thoughts on the prelims and making picks for it anything weird or unusual or a theme or anything I mean, like I said, contender series is the theme. Yeah, uh, yeah you're going to see there's so many contender series guys on here, um, whether it be from this past season. There's a handful from this past season. There's some from like the early, early seasons. Yeah, it, it's got a it's got a little bit of everything if you're a contender series guy. And everyone listening should be because it's going to be uh, makes us money on the contender series. So let's get things started with uh, an amazing nickname in the Bantamweight fight. Cameron Saman. Not a uh, doesn't have does he have a nickname? Uh, MSP. I, what does MSP mean? His nickname is MSP. So maybe if you have him on your other show, you'll have to figure out what that is. But I want you to have this man on the other show, Stephen Kozla, aka Obi Wan Shinobi, the Pillow. <laughs> and it's Obi Wan. Uh, the one is spelled like he wins. W O N. Obi Wan um, Shinobi. Yes, Obi Wan <laughs> Shinobi. Shinobi. The, Shinobi. Shinobi, my, the pillow. God, my bad, man. My bad. Yes. So that's Stephen Coslow. <laughs> He's six and zero with six submissions. This will be his debut on short notice. So that's some uh, red lights uh, and alarms should be flashing. Uh, everyone who has listened to the show before uh, know that that is not a uh, conducive uh, to winning. Something you want to bet on. Uh, I don't have reach info for him because uh, he's brand spanking new here. Plus two seventy. I do have that number for him. Uh, same on. Is it same on? Simon. Simon. Yes, because it's got two A's in there. We know him for here's our first contender series, and he was the stud on the contender series this past year. So MSP is the nickname. Don't know what that means. Don't really care because it's not as good as his opponent's nickname. He's six and zero with four knockouts, one submission. This will be his debut in the UFC proper. Uh, he was one zero in the contender series via knockout. Was the EFC champion in his native uh, South Africa. Uh, He's an inch taller than Kozlo, three years younger, minus 315. And I am a gentleman, so I will let my guest go first. You're, well, you're not so... really a guest. This is more your show than mine, but go ahead. <laughs> it's more my show than yours, really? Well, you've been on more than me, yes. And you talk got... more than me usually, so yes. That's true. And you've already got another planned absence. So uh, I'm going to take the newcomer. I'm going to take Stephen Kozlo. Um, what? For yeah. real? Yeah, for oh, real. Oh, my. Um, for a whole bunch of reasons. But the biggest one being... Um, you might remember Cameron Simon when he was on uh, Contender Series, he fought Josh Wang Kim, uh, yep. who, who we were pretty high on, to be completely honest with you. I was high on Josh Wang Kim. Uh, and the thing that made me high on Josh Wang Kim is he had really good kickboxing and, and kicking from distance, and I thought that was going to be fine here. But Josh Wang Kim, after probably winning the first round against Cameron Simon, looked like he was tiring out reverted to wrestling and somehow was also able to wrestle Cameron Simon. Uh, he, he scored a pretty easy takedown and wound up, you know, dominating on some top control time. He comes out from that third round and he is no longer tired. He is now exhausted to the point where he can't fight and gets knocked out. And while, you know, it's, it's awesome for Cameron Simon to have knockout power that late in a fight, you have to wonder like, okay, well, he's giving up takedowns to guys who aren't particularly strong in a takedown department and in addition to that, you know, my my biggest concern about it was is he didn't really get much done until 
the other guy was exhausted and, and he did wind up on the bottom for almost two minutes. Here he is fighting a guy who, who I'm somewhat familiar with with Steven Kozlo. I hadn't been familiar with him, but I, I did some brushing up. He is a, a, first of all, a submission artist. If he's on top of you, you are in a lot of trouble. You are in a world of hurt submission wise. And he's not one of those like 10th planet jujitsu guys who you can say, okay, he's got a sub game, but he's got no way to get it to the ground. You know, he's not a chase Hooper. He's got a nice little wrestling game, a nice little chain wrestling game where he goes from single leg to double leg. He's got some nuance in there. And he's also not one dimensional in the way that you could just be like, oh, well, you know, he's got subs and some wrestling, but he's going to get outmatched on the feet. He does a really good job of maintaining distance until he doesn't want it anymore. He throws a nice cheap kick to the front um, just to like push away when he doesn't like the exchanges he's getting. You know, is, is his striking defense flawless? Heck no. He, he's a six fight veteran with uh, with with no UFC experience, but he's got a lot of pieces there. And I think especially at plus 270, I think he's a a, a really live dog here. Well, as you know, by as you can tell by the, my shock in my voice when Dan made the pick, I am taking Simon. You don't take short notice debut and fighter. So uh, I'll take Simon. And good luck with your plus 270. You're right, right off the bat, you're, you're doing something wild, aren't you? Are you going to love it if uh, are you going to love it if I nail it, though? Am I going to love it? Yeah, uh, you're going to love it when I, I will, when I hit this. <laughs> I will love it. Um, OK, nice. Yeah, love it. I'm, you know what else I love, Dan? Winbet. Yes, Winbet. Exactly. <laughs> Winbet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. We're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting casino play. Exclusive rewards are right at your fingertips with Win Rewards on Winbet. Looking to get involved in the same game parlay? Winbet is your home with their Winbet. Build your own bet, letting you customize the bet you want to make. Great promos, odds, and payouts shopping right now at Winbet. Winbet has what you need to win. Ready to play? Sign up today to receive a special offer. Bet $100, win $100. There's so much to choose from, and all you have to do is head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet. So they know we sent you that sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T to claim your free bet today. Offer subject to change. Terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where play through winbet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Okay. Well, Gumby started things off interesting for us. Let's see where we move to now. I'm just getting it more and more. I'm getting it more and more interested this whole night, just so you know. Really? Yeah. This this card rules for for crazy picks. Yeah, I was. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's see what happens. Flyweights. Vinicius Salvador versus Daniel Da Silva, Daniel Lacerda, Daniel Miaojo. He's got a lot of different names. Um, Miaojo? Miaojo? Is that how you say it? Ramen? This is oh the rot yeah the ramen one I completely forgot about that he's got too many names to Silva he's eleven and four five knockouts six submissions so he's finished all of his fights and he's been finishing all of his fights been knocked out three times submitted once so not something you see from flyweights or bantamweights very often oh and three in the UFC he's been finishing all those fights used to fight at bantamweight multiple regional championships on his mantle yes get this stat over his three UFC fights he's been outstruck by almost six strikes per minute. <laughs> <laughs> is is the uh is the um is the number of strike differential for him so he's been outstruck by almost six strikes a minute grappling stats are better than salvador's but salvador's only had one fight and that was a contender series plus 175 salvador phenomenal 14 4 13 knockouts one submission been knocked out uh twice submitted once this is his debut after 
winning on the contender series as part of a four fight winning streak. He's not lost since May of 2019. Used to fight a bantamweight, was a regional champ, inch high, inch reach on the Silva. Striking stats in his favor, and he's two times more active landing strikes, but we're talking based off of one fight. Uh, he outstruck his opponent in that fight by 1.28 strikes per minute, minus 215. Give me Salvador. Uh, I like what I, uh, what I saw of him, the little bit I have seen of him. Um, and De Silva has not uh, proven that he is at this level uh, in the UFC. So give me the minus 215 pick, and I assume Gummy's going to probably go dog here again. No, I, I'm not going dog here. I, no, I I will say out the gate, I did really love uh, Dando De Silva. Like, I, yeah. I thought he had lots of potential. He is really exciting. But here's the problem is that, like, he's just awful when it comes to – when it comes to game planning, he he does the wrong thing all the time like that. You know, there's a couple of those losses. If you look back for him where you're like, it, it just seemed like the, the uh, let's take the Francisco Figueredo fight. Like he rolled into that knee bar, uh, you know, the Jeff Molina fight. He like walked into a counter strike, you know, like the Victor Altamirano fight. You were like, did you pull him into bounce? Like it, it just making dumb decision after dumb decision. I think the only reason he's in there, you know, at 0-3 is to give a contender series guy a good chance at winning here. And Venezia Salvador did beat Shannon Ross, who, by the way, wound up with a contract after the fact anyway, because he had uh, appendicitis when he took that fight. But like that was a brawl. It was a fun fight. And, and I really do like Shannon Ross. So for Venezia Salvador to beat him, there ain't no way he's losing to Daniel Da Silva. Yes, sir. All right. We're, we're on the same page again. Uh, finally, I mean. All right. Let's fly away to move. Up a couple weight classes to featherweight TJ Brown versus Eric Silva. Just what we need another Eric Silva in in, uh, in fighting. Like we don't have enough Eric Silvas. But anyhow, this one is the king. So I guess that's different. Um, we'll tell you about downtown TJ Brown first, who's on Gumby's Top Turtle MMA podcast last week. Um, he's 16 and nine, four knockouts, nine submissions. He's been knocked out three times, submitted three times, two and three in the UFC. However, he's won two of his last three fights. He did lose his last fight. Uh, he's missed weight twice. He used to fight at lightweight. 1-0 in the contender series. 1-0 as a pro boxer. Inch of reach on Silva. Three years younger. Plus uh, 0.8 strikes per minute. He outstrikes his, his opponents by. So almost a strike a minute over his UFC and contender series fights. Minus 105. Uh, King, Silva. 9-1, three knockouts, four submissions. He's been submitted once. This is his debut. 1-0 in the contender series. He's won eight straight fights. He's not lost since July of 2016. He was a regional champ, striking stats in his favor, and he's over two times more active landing strikes than Brown is. Um, in the contender series fight, he outstruck his opponent by 7.83 strikes per minute. Uh, his <laughs> opponent did not land a strike in the whole fight. Um, minus 115. Go ahead. So I'm going to take Silva in this one. Um, I, I do really I, I do really like TJ Brown. Um, you know, the, the problem is, is just like, We've seen a little bit of weakness out of TJ Brown when fighting guys who can match his wrestling or match his grappling, um, either his jujitsu or his wrestling. Like, take the Jordan Griffin fight. He was the better wrestler in that fight, but Jordan Griffin's submission game was a little bit better, gave him trouble. Uh, same with Danny Chavez. Uh, same with Shayulan near Dambique. He, he just took him down. Eric Silva is very tenacious with his wrestling, and the worst thing for him here is I think – even if this doesn't wind up on the ground and it doesn't wind up being a wrestling match, I, I think Eric Silva is just a little sharper on the feet than TJ Brown for me. So that, that worries me a couple of different ways for TJ Brown. So yeah, I'm, I'm on Eric Silva here. I'm, I'm also a little bit surprised that the, this line is as close as it is. Yeah, we'll take it though. I'm taking Silva as well with that 
vicious ground and pound he unleashed in the contender series. But um, and TJ Brown talked to Dan. That's never a good thing. So we will uh, go against him. Okay, our main event now of the early prelims, haha, is featherweights Billy Quarantillo versus Alexander Hernandez. The great ape, Alexander Hernandez, 13 and 5, six knockouts, two submissions. He's been knocked out twice, submitted once. Five and four in the UFC. He's gone loss, win, loss, win, loss, win, loss over his last seven fights. Uh, I want to say inconsistent, but that actually is consistent, technically. Um, used to fight at lightweight. 2012 was his pro MMA debut. Two inches reach on Quarantilo, four years younger. He's, ba- he's basically even when it comes to strike differential. He's plus 0.03 strikes per minute um, ahead of his opponents. Grappling stats are better than Quarantilo's plus 140. Billy Quarantilo, 16 and four, seven knockouts, five submissions. He's been knocked out one time, four and two in the UFC. He's got a loss win loss over his last three. He's been out of the cage since November of 2021. One in the contender series. There we go, another contender series person. Uh, one and one on the Ultimate Fighter. He has a double, the double on his uh, resume. Uh, former lightweight as well, multiple regional championships on his mantle. Yes, inch taller than Hernandez. Almost two times more active at landing strikes. He's outstruck his UFC opponents by almost two strikes per minute, 1.94 strikes per minute, including the contender series. Uh, minus 165. I, I thought long and hard about this one. I was really gave Hernandez a shot here, um, picking him, but I, I ended up going with Quarantillo. Hernandez likes to strike a distance, and he's, most of his fights, he's really not that good at it. He tends to get outstruck. Uh, or so the stats say he gets outstruck at distance. I think Quarantilo will be able to get the better of him on the feet. And he's also a solid grappler, uh, solid and willing uh, grappler. So give me Billy Q. Yeah, here's the other reason why I'm taking Billy Q, because I'm with you on that one. I, I do agree about Alexander Hernandez striking from distance and sometimes falling into that trap and not looking so good there. But here's the other thing I will say about him, too. He's coming down to 145 pounds for the first time. Alexander oh, Hernandez. First time, really? Yeah, Alex Hernandez okay. is a was a massive 55er. Yeah, like, that's he's right. A big, muscly dude at 55. You know that that was kind of his allure, right? When he was about to fight Cowboy, everybody was like, ah, I don't know if Cowboy can deal with a dude that big or that strong. He, he's cutting down a weight class, and Billy Q is a grinder. Billy Q is a guy who who puts you through the ringer and finishes you late if he needs to. So for Alexander Hernandez's first trip down to 145 pounds. He's going to fight a guy who probably outgrapples him, probably outstrikes him. And as we saw when Billy Q beat the hell out of Gabriel Benitez, by the third round, Benitez could not keep that pace anymore. Benitez was absolutely exhausted trying to go toe-to-toe with Billy Quarantillo. And, and Kyle Nelson to the same extent, too, there. So, you know, all of those things compound to just say, yeah, like, this this is a Billy Q fight right here. Okie dokie, Billy Q it is. So we're agreeing on that. Now we move to the main portion of the prelims. This one's got fight of the night written all over it. Um, people who enter my pick'em contest, moneymma.substack.com, get in there, enter the pick'em contest. Put this one down as your choice for fight of the night. because um, it, It's, it's got to be the early runner, at least on uh, front runner, at least on paper. Middleweights, Chris Curtis versus Joaquin Buckley. Um, as I go to my spreadsheet, let's tell you about Curtis, the action man, Chris, the action man, Curtis, 29 and nine, 16 knockouts, one submission, but knocked out once, submitted once three and one in the UFC. He did lose his last fight, which was short notice to Jack Hermanson. So that's a bit of a tall task unless your name is Roman Delizzi. Um, what else can I tell you about him? He used to fight at 
Welterweight used to fight at light heavyweight. So he's right in the middle here. Multiple regional championships on his mantle. A lot of mantles. This is a mantle, mantle packed episode. Um, one in three in PFL, one in all in contender series. Another, there we go. Contender series again. 2009 was his pro MMA debut. He was 2 0 as a pro boxer. He's 1.7 times more active landing strikes than Buckley in the UFC, to be exact. Uh, however, he's been outstruck by his four UFC opponents and his one contender series opponent by a total of 0.39 strikes per minute. So pretty much even there. Plus 135 on the action man. New Mansa, new ruler, Joaquin Buckley. 15-5 with 11 knockouts. He's been knocked out three times. Five and three in the UFC. However, he's gone three and one over his last four. However, he did lose his last fight. Three and two in Bellator. Used to fight at welterweight. Inch of reach on Curtis, seven years younger. He's barely outstruck his UFC opponents by 0.19 strikes per minute. Grappling stats are better than Curtis's, minus 160. Over to you. Uh, I'm going to take Chris Curtis here. I'm going to go dog. Me too. Um, yeah, dude, like... It's tough, though. It's tough. It, it's it's tough because uh, Joaquin Buckley ha- has big power, right? But, yeah. like, at the same time, like, wh- when has Chris Curtis ever looked like in danger since yeah. coming to the yeah. UFC, right? Like, in, in shirt. Yeah, you, you can go back to his time on PFL when Ray Cooper knocked him out. But that was also down a weight class. And, and I think since coming up to 85, he's been fine. And, and really, if you go back and look at all of his, his record... The, the dude has only been knocked out one time. And I, that's not saying that, that we can't, couldn't see him outstruck here by Joaquin Buckley, but he's also a guy who gets after it with good counters. He's got great cardio. You know, we, we saw him knock out Brendan Allen. We saw him knock out Phil Hawes. Like, I, I think that he's a really bad matchup for Buckley, as long as we're being honest, because, you know, he, I think he's more well-rounded. I think he's less reliant on the flashy stuff. We've seen him fight and win a safe fight against Rodolfo Vieira. Like, I, I think there's a lot of ways for Chris Curtis to win. I think people were writing him off after that uh, that Jack Hermanson loss, and I think that's wrong. Yeah, that was, like I said, sure Norris against probably the best guy he's ever fought, uh, possibly. Definitely, so. definitely. Um, yeah, but yeah, this one's tough. Bilal, he has fought Bilal yes, Muhammad, true. which is worth noting, too. Bilal who? Uh, you, you didn't remember the name. Yes, that's you didn't remember his nickname, so there you go. Um, yeah, this one's yeah. I'll take as I as I said earlier, I'll, I will take the underdog here. Um, Curtis is one of those guys I just constantly take. I since his debut, I think uh, not in his Especially debut. I didn't take dog him. money though. I, yeah, I took exactly. him in his debut. I, I took him in his debut. Also, you, you didn't go. take him against Brendan Allen as long as you. Oh you no. Wanna, yeah. yeah. No, you, you didn't. It, it took me a couple that, fights to get on get that, on board. I guess. Yeah, that was another told you so moment. Good, good memory, Dan. Um, I. I think he's he's gonna put more volume out there too, and I think this is gonna probably remain on the feet. So um, I like his chances, even if it goes to the distance. I like his chances uh, because he's gonna be more active. All right, um, now it's middleweights. We're gonna stick with middleweights. Edmund Shabazian versus Dolce Lugiambula is next on the agenda here. We'll tell you about champion Lugiambula first. Eleven and five, five knockouts, one submission. He's been knocked out twice, submitted twice, two and four in the UFC. He's lost three straight. He's only won one of his last five. Did get knocked out in his, uh, sorry, um, yeah, knocked out in his last fight. And then I think he was submitted in the fight before that. So he has been finished uh, a lot recently. He used to fight at light heavyweight. He used to fight at heavyweight. Uh, he was champion uh, in the FC in two different weight classes. Two inches of reach on Shabazian. Striking stats are better than Shabazian's. However, he has been outstruck by almost half a strike per minute in the UFC. Minus 0.48 is the strike differential per minute, plus 240. The golden boy, Shabazian, 
both these guys' nicknames aren't really fitting anymore, are they? He's still the Golden Boy. So <laughs> okay. he he's Maybe explained so. that he's explained that to me before too. The Golden Boy was just like a, a comment on the fact that he was like the good child in a oh, okay, uh, right, right. in an Armenian Armenian family. <laughs> okay. Um he's eleven and three, he being Shabazian. Nine knockouts, one submission, but knocked out twice, four and three in the UFC. However, the three in that um in that stat has all come in his last three fights. He's been he's 0-3 over his last three, got TKO'd in his last fight. He's not won since November 2019. He was 1-0 in the contender series. So there it is again. Six inches taller than Lou Gimbula, 10 years younger. Uh, he's been outstruck in his UFC career by 0.89 strikes per minute. Minus 305, the number on Shabazian. Uh, I don't like that number uh, on a guy who's on the three-fight losing sked, but I'm hoping that um, him getting out of what he called a toxic uh, training camp situation and uh, over to Extreme Couture is going to help him help him look more like he looked over his first, what, 14 fights of his career. Um, and he's, he's fighting. Uh, it's a big step down, step down in competition compared to who he's fought over the last, last three fights as well. So um, give me Shabazian. Oh, and he's way, way taller and way, way, way younger. So uh, all things point to him getting back on track here. So give me the golden boy. I agree with you. I think we he's one of those guys who, who got kind of a, a tough deal of things here when you look at those three straight losses. Derek Brunson, Jack Hermanson, Nasoradim, and Mavov. You know, I, the lowest ranked guy out of all of those is Imamov, who's headlining the first fight card of January. So, like, uh, you know, Shabazian had a, a rough run of opponents there. And, like, not for anything. Right before there, he knocked out Brad Tavares, which is, is not an easy feat. Brad Tavares is a super right. durable guy. So, yeah, first of all, I think we we kind of wrote him off in a way that we didn't need to. And second of all, yeah, Dolce is a huge step down. Dolce also on a three-fight losing streak to much less notable names, including Marc-Andre Barrio, uh, Punahele Soriano. Which, Power bar? Was that, yeah, was that Puna's last win? Is he now on, like, a three-fight losing streak since then? Oh, no, it was it was him getting back on track after okay, losing yeah, yeah, two in right. a row. That was, yeah, that yeah, was his know. last fight, right? Yep, yeah, yeah. He he got back on track after uh, losing a couple in a row by by knocking out uh, Dolce. And, and the thing about Dolce too is like if you go and look at his record, like his best win in his career is probably Marcus Perez. Like it, just nobody of that level of Edmund Shabazian. And then of course, yes, I'm also playing the perspective change in Edmund Shabazian, seeing him change teams. I also think he changed teams the right way. Sometimes you see guys change teams and like two months later, they're in a fight again. And you're like, oh, a brand new training camp. And it's like, yeah, but he's only spent eight weeks with these coaches. He spent 13 months at Extreme Couture. You know, like he, he's been there since his last fight and he took over a year off in between fights. I, I think this is a smart layoff. And I think we're going to see not only a better Edmund Shabazian, but like even if it wasn't a better Edmund Shabazian, I still think he'd beat Dolce. Yeah, that's true. All things are pointing uh, to Shabazian. So that means we're probably going to get upset here, right? No, hopefully. Uh, I don't, I don't. Think. <laughs> all right. Um, this, all right. Next week. Did, did you have trouble breaking down this fight before I get into it? Are we talking heavyweights? No, we're talking Raul Rosas Jr. versus Jay Perrin. I, uh, yeah, this, this one's a tricky one. Actually, okay. both of these, Nick, the last two on the prelims, tricky fights. Uh, all right. Let's get into it. I just want to make sure I wasn't alone there. Um, Raul Rosas Jr. versus Jay Perrin, Jay the Joker Perrin. And they, this is that what? Bantamweight? Yes. Um, Perrin, 10 and 6, two knockouts, four submissions. He's been submitted one time. 0 and 2 in the UFC. 
Um, he's only won two of his last five fights. He's fight at flyweight. He's got multiple regional championships on his mantle. Even even Jay Perrin has multiple regional championships on his mantle. So this is the mantle episode for sure. Um, he's almost three times more active landing strikes than Rosas was, but Rosas is based off of one fight on the contender series. So and he was 17. Come on. Um, Aaron has been outstruck by his UFC opponents by 0.23 strikes per minute, plus 195 the number on him. El Nino Problema, the problem child. Oh, the problem child. We went from the good boy to the problem child. Rosas Jr., 6-0, one knockout, four submissions. This is his UFC debut. 1-0 on the contender series. He was a... I have grappler listed. Uh, yeah, he did pro grappling, right? Or did he not? Sure. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Why do I have grappler written down? I don't know. Oh, maybe, maybe it was grappling stats were in his favor, but regardless, we're, we're, it's based off one fight. Um... Two inches taller than Perrin, 11 years younger. Uh, he outstruck his contender series opponent by 0.53 strikes per minute. Minus 245 on Rosas Jr. Oh, we, you get to go first on this difficult one. Maybe not difficult, but I had to think about it. I'm taking Jay Perrin in this one. That's what I was thinking. I was, I wanted to do that. Maybe I've already written my article though, but I really wanted to take Perrin. Well, let, let, let me go ahead. Yeah, lay it yeah, out. yeah. Let, let me lay it out for you. So first of all, give me that number again. What did you quote me at? Uh, plus 195. All right, yeah. So first of all, I like that price in in the first place. That that's a good place to start, right? Like I've seen him anywhere hovering between like plus one ninety, plus two ten, depending on the books you're looking at, and and wavering back and forth. But the fact of the matter is here is like think about Rosa's fight on the contender series, right? This this is the place I want to start. His his fight on the contender series, which is only a six professional fight, was the first time he fought somebody who had more than three professional fights. He fought Mando Gutierrez, not a bad fighter, but like, you know, not a world beater by any stretch of the imagination. And he kept giving up positions to Mando Gutierrez, right? Mando Gutierrez wound up on top because he just like, you know, Raul Rosas would try to take the neck and he'd just fall off the top or, you know, he, he'd try to use like a, a seatbelt flip move and just not have the grip right enough. And he's very daring on the, the mat, but at the end of the day, like, when he fought a step up in competition, it didn't look good. Um, it, and that to me is a huge issue against a guy like Jay Perrin, because Jay Perrin comes from a wrestling background. Like he has he has wrestled before in his life. And if you look at the people who who have beaten him, nobody's going out there and finishing him. Right. He, he's been finished one time in his entire career. He got tagged on the feet and, and shot in for like a dumb takedown in his fight in Bellator, got choked out. But apart from that, it's like people who can put together not just a fight, but a complete fight against him that beat him. You know, if, if you go back to his fight with Mario Batista, let, let's take that one, because I, I think Jay Perrin's getting kind of a, you know, a raw deal here. But if you take his fight against Mario Batista, Batista took him down four times. But he took him down four out of six times and had to work for it. Jay Perrin also took down Mario Batista. Mario Batista, a guy who is very good defensively wrestling, right? Like the last person who took down Mario Batista had been three years prior. So like Perrin can wrestle. Perrin can look good and Perrin can survive. And if Rosas goes for those like really daring positions and those really daring moves and he winds up giving up position... Perrin isn't going to let him back up. Perrin isn't going to get subbed off of the bottom. Perrin is just going to lay on him, 
He's going to hit the strikes he needs to hit. He's going to win the round. And that's, we're talking a big if. That's if this fight goes to the ground. Because the thing is, is I think Perrin's wrestling defense could keep this on the feet. And we did not see a lot out of Raul Rosas on the feet. So, yeah, I'm going to go dog here. I'm going to take Jay Perrin. All right. You give me the courage, Dan, to also go Perrin as well. Yeah, I I just not totally sold on Rosas um, yet. Um, I think they're hyping him, right? Yeah. And and, and we talked about this when he got the contract, too. Like, we're like, does he feel ready for the UFC? And if if you looked at the roster at that time, you know, like – could he be ready for the UFC with these kind of raw skills in a different weight class? Absolutely. We see light heavyweights and heavyweights walk into the UFC every day with this kind of skill set. The fact of the matter is, though, he's not fighting at heavyweight. He's not fighting at light heavyweight. He's fighting in one of the baddest divisions in the UFC, and that's Bantamweight. And, you know, like, who at Bantamweight doesn't have the skills to, like, I don't know, stuff a couple of takedowns and beat you up on the feet if you, you're you not ready for that. And, you know, I think Perrin's the type of guy who's going to do that, too. Yep. Perrin is our pick. There there we go. We're, we're going out on the out on the limb and taking a big, big underdog. Let's see if we... That might be your biggest I, underdog of the year. It probably would be. Yeah, I just... Yeah, I just oh, no, didn't... no, Lauren. You had Lauren Murphy over... Oh, over. yeah, and I had... What's his name, too? Um, Our our patron saint... Um, Petroski. Yeah, Petroski. Yeah, I just... I wrote my article. I ended up taking roses, but it still, it just didn't, didn't feel right. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm switching. I'm going to Perrin here. I'm just not sold him. Maybe, maybe this will be the fight that'll sell us on roses, but yeah, just, it's not like he blew us away on the contender series either. And he's fighting better competition now too. So, all right. Main event of the prelims, heavyweights, Jardinho Rosenstrike versus Chris Dawkins. So we got back-to-back Dawkins brothers. Just had the other Dawkins brother last weekend. Now we got the big, bigger of the two, Chris. 12 and 5, 11 knockouts for Dawkins. Been knocked out four times, submitted once. So he's been finishing all his fights. So he's basically, he's gone the distance once in a fight. By my math here, uh, he's 4 and 2 in the UFC. However, his last two fights were losses, both via knockout or TKO. He's got an inch of height on Rosenstrike, a year younger. Striking stats in his favor, and he's more than two times more active line of strikes, 2.3 times more active line of strikes. He's outstruck his UFC opponents by 2.45 strikes per minute. Uh, his grappling stats are better than Rosenstrike's, plus 145. Jarzinho, biggie boy, Rosenstrike. 12 and 4 with 11 knockouts. He's been knocked out twice. 6 and 4 in the UFC. He also has lost two straight. He's won 1 of 4 and 2 of 6. Got TKO'd his last fight. 2012 was his pro MMA debut. He was a kickboxing champion before this. Based on the last weigh-ins, he was 16 pounds heavier than Dawkins. He's got two inches of reach on him. He's been outstruck in the UFC by 0.44 strikes per minute, minus 175. It's going to be said, this is this one didn't really give me as much pause. I'm taking Rosenstrike. Um, I don't trust Dawkins' chin after back-to-back um, TKO's losses. Um, not, I don't think his chin's as bad as his brother's sh- showed. It was last weekend, but <clears throat> excuse me, having uh, even possible uh, questions with your chin going up against Rosenstrike. Um, Probably isn't a good idea. I, I think he's a better fighter than Rosenstrike, but Rosenstrike just hits so hard, and he's going to have a size advantage on him. So, give me Biggie Boy. I, I'm going to take I'm going to take Chris Dawkins. Um, I had a feeling you were. Yeah, because I mean, you just said you got trouble with Chris Dawkins' chin. Who just got knocked out in his last fight too? Rosenstrike. Biggie Boy. Also, yeah, and it's not like Chris Dawkins is it hasn't been knocking people out in his career. He was four and zero in his career with all knockouts until he ran into Derek Lewis and Curtis Blades. So yeah, like he got knocked out by Derek Lewis and Curtis Blades, but like 
Biggie Boy got knocked out by Volkov, who I think hits less hard than either of those two anyway. So, like, it's not like he is also not getting knocked out. And here's the difference. You said Darkus is the better fighter. And I'm not just talking about grappling. He's so much craftier on the feet. He's faster on the feet than Biggie Boy is. And more importantly for me in this fight, Biggie Boy is a fighter who often finds himself complacent in fights. Um, you know, if you look at the surreal gain fight, he, he just didn't look like he wanted to win that fight. Uh, if you look at the Curtis Blades fight, he, he didn't look like he was ready to pull the trigger. Uh, you know, you, you could say the same thing about the Overeem fight. If he doesn't land that punch with five seconds to go, he's about to lose that fight 50-45 on every judge's scorecard. And he looked a little complacent until he got hit by Volkov. And by then it was all over. So Dawkins is fast enough that like, I don't know that that counter striking plan or whatever the plan is with that much inactivity is going to work for him. So yeah, I, I think Dawkins is going to pull this one out. Yeah. Not, not an easy one to pick and, and you're getting a good number on Dawkins. I, I don't really have much faith in either guy. So you're, you're probably, um, probably making a smart pick, Dan. So there you go. Um, Let's recap the mantle episode. Uh, everyone has a mantle in this one. Take these picks, put them on your mantle. I have Rosa strike. Gumby has Dawkins. We both are on Perrin. We both are on Shabazian. We both are on Curtis. So plenty of dogs there for you, but there's more. We both are on Quarantilo. We both are on Silva. I am on Salvador. He's on Da Silva. No, I'm not. Oh, wait a minute. Silva. We're both on Why Salvador. Why the hell Excuse would me. I be on <laughs> You're right. I didn't have your name down for anything. We both are on Salvador. Um, I am on Simon. He is on Coslo. So Gumby, a couple slip ups for Gumby there, which will ensure another victory for me, which is his role here. Um, that's why I keep him on the on the episodes. Only reason he uh, is getting the paycheck for the show is because he has to make some bad picks, right? Don't I, we I mean, shouldn't I'm, tell people that, I guess. I, should we? I'm, I'm here to be the one that people like, so it's true. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's he's here to put our likability uh, rating up. It's true. Um, all right, so that's all your prelim picks. We'll be back in your ear holes tomorrow with the main card picks, our uh, in props that we like, recommended plays a two fight parlay that'll get you a big box, you know, all that fun stuff. So uh, make sure you get in our discord and have lots of fun chatting about whatever you want to chat about fights or there's channels for everything in there. Sports slash discord. Or if you prefer Twitter, SGPN MMA Gumby runs that account for us. He, his account is Gumby Vreeland. My account is Jeff Fox writer. I told you about my other site, moneymma.substack.com. Get in there. So you can subscribe for free and enter my pick em contest to win stuff uh, from me. Um, Gumby's got the Tur- Turtle MMA podcast, which just dropped in my feed, I believe, earlier today. I'm going to tell you who's on. No, you tell me who's on. Maybe, maybe you have some insight you want to give us. It's Billy Quarantillo. Hey, Perrin. Um, and, right. and as far as uh, 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 intel that you can hear about these interviews, you know, Billy Quarantillo is his usual charming ass self. Uh, but Jay Perrin is very fired up. Uh, Ooh, and maybe, really? maybe you'll listen to it and you'll feel even better about picking him, but that dude is ready to go. So, uh, yeah, you, you don't want to miss that one. He, he's, he's a good, in, a good listen. Yes. I, I, um, had a feeling he was probably annoyed that this kid's getting all the, all the publicity over, over him in this fight. So, all right. Mild, mild understand. Mild understand. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So definitely listen to that. I'll be listening to that later today. Um, all right. What else did I tell you about? Oh. Obviously, obviously, sportsgamblingpodcast.com is the spot to go. Uh, my picks article is up there, and now I have to update it because I'm changing. I changed my mind on Rosas. I should have just gone with what I thought to, to begin with. I, sh- I shouldn't need Gumby to 
to um, validate my underdog picks. But anyhow, um, I'll have a DFS article up there sometime on Thursday as well. Gumby will have a props article up there uh, Wednesday night slash Thursday morning. We got Bellator this weekend. We did Bellator episode last a couple of episodes ago or one episode ago excuse me uh we have a, a picks article from dylan rockford is done a, Bell, a belter article that i'm going to put up later on wednesday evening as well we got just tons of stuff up there so make sure you go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com for all your needs not just mma um i think that's enough because we're going to be talking to you very very shortly again um until we meet again which will be tomorrow hopefully if you'll be back i will remain the action man, Jeff Fox. Gumby will remain Obi-Wan Shinobi the pillow, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye.